Do you believe in climate change? Uh, I, there is a cooling and there's a heating. <sighs> it's like it gets cold in the winter, then in the summer it gets hot again. Who knows? Who can make sense of it? No one understands it. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Who knew climate was so complicated? From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest in China Lake, California, up in Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast, Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, amongst other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and on the internets. We blanket planet Earth five days a week here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, an all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Well, we've got a lot to cover today, but you may feel free to try and derail me today if you like. I will, uh, I'll try to open up the phone lines if you want to give me a call at 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. We are live in the studio today. If you'd like to get in line to talk about really any dang thing you'd like to, uh, including uh, some of the stuff I'm about to talk about. I had a number of encouraging items to start the week, but now I've got to balance them with some less than encouraging news items that have broken within the last few hours. And no, it's not the uh, firing or the pushing out of uh, Andrew McCabe, the uh, deputy director of the FBI. I'll let everyone else cover that today since they seem to be going wall to wall with that one for now. Uh, one thing I, I do hope to get to, don't know if I will or not at this point, but with the uh, State of the Union address set for Tuesday night and, of course, uh, midterm elections set for the coming months, Donald Trump has been uh, continuing his lies about our booming economy, taking credit for stuff that is uh, both neither as good as he claims nor um, not, nor anything, frankly, that he is entitled to take credit for at this point. But he has the bully pulpit in the White House, as frankly do all Republicans across the bulk of our public airwaves. So those claims that he's making, that Republicans are going to be making uh, about the economy, uh, well, will that make a difference to American voters in this year's midterm elections? Who do you credit for the current uh, economy? 
Trump or Obama? More importantly, who do you think Americans, American voters, will credit for the current economy? Trump and the Republicans or Obama and his policies after the Great Recession that got us out of whatever mess we were in, at least got us out to the point we're in now. I'd love to hear from you on all of that at 818-985-5735 if you would like to ring in. Uh, but first, a couple of news items that I want to hit. And Desi Doyen, our producer, my co-host on the Green News Report, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Yes, uh, We had some, uh, what? well, as I said, some encouraging news. This was a surprise move from the U.S. EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, which reversed itself on Friday, sort of, mostly, I think, <laughs> uh, and maintained restrictions on the proposed pebble mine, copper and gold mine project up in southwest, southwest Alaska's Bristol Bay region, home to the world's largest salmon breeding ground and fishery. Yep. I think that is good news. Yes, that is that, it. That is very, <laughs> okay. very, very good news. Um, so what this was was that mm -hmm. during the Obama administration, the Obama administration EPA mm -hmm. did a scientific study of a hypothetical copper and uh, gold mine, sort of like the one that they thought that the pebble mine company was going to mm -hmm. try to get a permit for. And in this hypothetical mine, they looked at it six ways to Sunday and said, "There's no way you can put any kind of mine in the Bristol Bay watershed, where as you." said mm -hmm. it's the world's largest salmon fishery. There's no way you can put a mine there and not harm that resource, that in, in very important natural resource. So what the EPA has done on Friday, Scott Pruitt's EPA, they were going to withdraw that scientific determination. Well, the determination under Obama, this was back in 2014, and they basically said you can't do it without harming it. Therefore, we are blocking any proposals that yeah. this pebble mine company has been trying to, for years they have been trying to get this mine going. That's right. Uh, near Bristol Bay, yeah. So they stopped yeah. it from even starting. That's what the Obama administration right. did. Trump's EPA came in. Scott Pruitt, the EPA administrator, came in and said, well, we're going to withdraw that scientific determination. Then suddenly... The science doesn't exist. We have withdrawn it. <laughs> well, it never and, happened. And this is something that Pruitt likes to use. He mm -hmm. likes to claim they didn't follow the process, therefore it's all wrong and it's illegal. So even though it was scientifically followed and they did follow the process, he lies about it and says that they didn't follow the proper regulatory process. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what, what they did on Friday is the EPA turned around and said, okay, no, we're not going to withdraw that scientific determination, that restriction on any mine. We're going to keep that restriction in place. Now, only thing about this is it may not hold. It is not a clear and mm -hmm. total win because Pruitt did not block the permit application process at all. The application will still be allowed to go through. He said uh, in the statement on Friday where they where he seemed to be reversing himself, he said, quote, it is in it is my judgment at this time that any mining projects in the region likely pose a risk to the abundant natural resources that exist there. That's his judgment. That is also the judgment of science. So it was quite shocking that the uh, the Trump EPA was was siding with science oh, in yeah. this case. It's it's good news. And it's just qualified. It is qualified. And I should also underscore, by the way, that this is uh, this has been there's been a lot of opponents to this project on the right and the left, Republican, Democrat, and and everything else up in Alaska. Um, and this is a Canadian company. By the way, the Canadian company that has been trying to open up this uh, this mine in Alaska that the EPA had been and Donald Trump had been working so hard to 
to get going until Friday's reversal. Um, so not even an American company that uh, was hoping to uh, to mine here and hoping to get a permit from the uh, U.S. Corps of Engineers. Think Progress notes that the mine, if it was constructed, would result in the largest open pit ever constructed in North America. Measures up to uh, almost seven square miles and reaches a depth of more than three quarters of a mile, according to the EPA. And, of course, it uh, provides a great threat to the um, to the salmon run up there. It would be built on on land near near uh, Lake Clark National Park. And uh, Alaska Governor Bill Walker, who's an independent, he applauded the decision. He thanked Pruitt for, quote, listening to my input and that of thousands of Alaskans. And one more thing to yeah. add in on this, yeah. the mine itself and the tailings pond, which is mm-hmm. all the mine waste, which was expected to be there in perpetuity right. in earthquake country. In other words, there is no reason to believe that this tailings pond that is toxic metals uh-huh. half a mile deep would ever last you know, more than that they through would the stay. next earthquake, much less in perpetuity throughout the rest of existence. What happens in the tailing ponds doesn't necessarily stay in the tailing ponds. And not in uh, Alaska's earthquake earthquake country. country. Exactly. So what happened to Pruitt? I don't know. Who got to it? Must be the deep state. I'm thinking it was the deep state who got to Scott Pruitt on uh, on Friday. Uh, Though he does note that this decision neither deters nor derails the application of the Pebble Limited Partnerships uh, proposed project. So there's that, some uh, somewhat qualified good news. Uh, in less than good news, uh, while proclaiming his belief in, quote, clean air and clean water, Donald Trump, still the president of the United States, uh, questioned some of the central tenets of climate science in an interview that aired over the weekend on uh, on Sunday with Piers Morgan. And Morgan is a supporter, uh, by and large, of Donald Trump. Um, he was asked uh, if he believed, and to uh, Piers Morgan's credit, he's really the only one who came, who has so far since Donald Trump has uh, taken office, to even in any way, and it wasn't much of a way, but in any way, sort of try to push Donald Trump on his uh, on his climate change stance. When asked if um, if he believed in the existence of climate change, however, Trump's answer did not go along with the scientific consensus. Do you believe in climate change? Do you think it exists? Uh, There is a cooling and there's a heating. I mean, look, it used to not be climate change. It used to be global warming, right? right? That wasn't working too well because it was getting too cold all over the place. (laughs) Uh, The ice caps were going to melt. They were going to be gone by now, but now they're setting records, okay? They're at a record level. Uh, There were so many things happening, Piers. I'll tell you what I believe in. I believe in uh, clean air. I believe in crystal clear, beautiful water. I believe in just having good cleanliness and all. Yes, he he believes in having good cleanliness in all. Now, Desi, I know you're chomping at the bit to respond to that, <laughs> uh, but I, I, so let, well, so let's let's take it apart very quickly. There's cooling and there's heating. I mean, look, it used to not be climate change. It used to be global warming. I know you're chomping at the bit, but let me just jump in here that it has been climate change 
for decades and decades and decades and decades. And just because the folks on Fox News didn't tell Donald Trump that, yes, the concern was, in fact, about climate change, and some people refer to it as global warming, since that is one part of climate change, just because nobody told Donald Trump, just because nobody told him before he, uh, before or after he became president, doesn't mean that people haven't been referring to it as climate change for many, many decades. Just had to get that off my uh, <laughs> chest. That is true. Uh, climate scientists use... Going back to the 1800s. <laughs> I'm sorry, there was somebody in the 1800s who referred to it as climate change. Go ahead. Indeed, indeed. Yes. So as you write, uh, climate change and global warming are not mutually exclusive terms. Global warming is a component of climate change. Climate change does the entire suite of impacts, you know, things like feedback effects, like changes in rainfall patterns and sea level rise and uh, extreme, he uh, extreme weather disasters stuff like that. And remember, the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change was established back in 1988. So it's been climate change the entire time. Global warming the, is a the part UN of The UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate change, change. Exactly. formed in 1988. Now, what he might before the existence of Fox News. So, I guess that's why uh, the news didn't get to the president of the goddamn United States. That, yes, it has been climate change for a long time. Now, Go GOP ahead. pollster Frank yeah. Luntz, he did write a memo back in 2003 where he told Republicans, don't use the word global warming, use the word climate change. It's less scary. So that might be yeah. how his addled brain has processed that. But mm -hmm. no, it's always been climate change. No, it hasn't processed that because uh, th that's just what he hears. He, right. You know, what he hear what they, what they tell him on Fox News. He does not look beyond that. All right, so there's there's cooling and there's heating. Who knows if it's getting warmer? Who knows if it's getting colder? He says uh, he says the ice caps were going to melt. They were going to be gone by now, but now they're setting records. They are at a record level. Well, uh, <laughs> a couple of things. Uh, one, no one said the ice caps were going to be gone by now. That's right. Nobody uh, ever said that. And they uh, they actually are at a record level. They are at a record low, both the North and the South, the Arctic and the Antarctic. That's right. NASA just 10 months ago announced that sea ice at both of the poles has hit record lows. Like you said, both Arctic and Antarctic are at record lows. And also remember, just a week and a half ago, NASA, NOAA, and the UK's Met Office all found that 2017 was one of the three hottest years ever recorded in line with the last three years. So we are still in a very long-term continuing warming trend, and that is indisputable. And, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I need to apologize to listeners when, I, when we talk about this because we talk about it so often. I realize that a lot of our listeners are like, yeah, I know. But you got this guy, you got this guy, the president of the United States out here repeating this BS over and over and over again. And I don't know how you deal with it. I mean, we could ignore it and we could say, oh, we don't need to tell uh, listeners about that because we've talked about it before. But he's out there making these new comments, you know, newly lying to the American people, or maybe he's just saying stuff because he doesn't understand it. But in any event, he's giving disinformation out to the American people over our public airwaves, uh, in our newspapers. And it feels like, well, we sort of have to respond. Do we not? 
I don't know if we do. Uh, well, yeah. I feel like we do because obviously there are many, many, many people all out right. there who don't get the chance to read up and find out about all of these things to get that full debunking. So we have to debunk where we can. And, and please uh, pass it on. Pass on the information to the knuckleheads out there who, who uh, you know, may hear what Donald Trump has to say and actually buy into it. No, there is science. There is actual science that you can look at the at the polarized caps, both Antarctic and Arctic, and see that they are now at record lows. By the way, Donald Trump seems to think the Paris Climate Agreement has something to do with Paris, has something to do with France. Uh, Toronto Star's Dan- Daniel Dale noted on Twitter that Trump has continually suggested that he believes the Paris Agreement is actually a French thing rather than a global accord simply agreed to in France. Of course, Trump has uh, pulled the U.S. out of that uh, pact. We are the only country. Yes. Well, he's announced his intention to pull us out. We're not going to actually be out until 2020. Right. Well, he said we want to come out. And but thankfully, because of the way it's structured, we can't get we we don't get we don't come out right away. It'll take a number of years. But he says, you know, we want to get out. And um, but now he's considering, he tells Piers Morgan, he's considering getting back in because, as you know, I like Emmanuel. He's talking about Emmanuel Macron, the uh, French president uh, who threw him a parade last year when he came to visit. Therefore, Donald Trump likes him very much. At the same time, Macron has uh, been uh, offering grants to U.S.-based climate scientists to replace the, the funding that they have lost during the Trump administration as part of his Make Our Planet Great Again scheme. Thank you, Mr. President, uh, Mr. French President, that is. Uh, but Trump likes him, so he's considering getting back into the uh, <clears throat> to the Paris Climate Accord, which he thinks applies to Paris and somehow otherwise rips off the U.S. I don't know. Maybe they did, did they uh, bar U.S. oil from being sold in uh, in Paris. That's probably <laughs> what he thinks it is. Anyway, all right, got that out of my system. Uh, let me move on uh, to something else that we must uh, continually tell you about since we have elections coming up. Uh, remember this guy? His his name is uh, Steve Curtis. He was, as recently as August of last year, he was a right-wing radio host at KLZAM 560 in Denver. Because they let any wingnuts apparently have a radio show these days, as long as they're not, you know, progressive or anti-corporate in any way. They also apparently let any wingnut become president of the United States these days. But I digress. So this guy, Steve Curtis, um, he had this to say in October of 2016, just before the 2016 presidential election on his radio show on KLZ AM 560. Heard in Denver and across the swing state of Colorado. It seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that virtually every case of voter fraud I can remember in my lifetime was committed by Democrats. You know, what is the penalty for knowingly committing voter fraud? Well, good question, Mr. Curtis. Uh, he only uh, every case he's ever heard of has been uh, Democrats committing it. Well, Curtis was not just a right wing radio host. He was also the former chair of the Colorado State Republican Party. And there he is going on air to tell his listeners that he only remembers hearing about Democratic voter fraud. But of course, that's probably because he, like Donald Trump, only listens to, you know, uh, Fox News and right wing radio like most Americans. 
because most Americans have no choice but to listen to right-wing radio. That's why it's so important for you to support the progressive outlets that you may be listening to me today on here at KPFK or around the country. Um, because they ain't great big commercial stations like, you know, KL, KLZAM 560 in Denver. Anyway, uh, the one-time chair of the Colorado Republican Party, uh, on that same day when he was talking about only Democrats uh, committing voter, voter fraud, he said, uh, he said this. Again, this was just before the 2016 presidential election in October, just days before the November election. We've had all kinds of things. Motor voter. I mean, you know, you go down to get a driver's license and they're pushing you to sign up to vote. And this this push that you need to vote, you need to vote, you need to vote. I, I've always had a problem with that because they're telling people who have no interest and no uh, no political savvy that don't 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 look at the issues, don't really know anything besides what the mainstream media has drilled into their head with this mm. ongoing propaganda campaign that uh, that they need to be voting. Well, these are the exact people I don't want voting. I mean, we look at the nation today, uh, Barack Obama president for the last eight years, because we had a, a nation full of stupid, stupid, uneducated. And I mean, uneducated in in political, uh, you know, ideals mm. uh, voting. Somebody like this, I, I don't want them or their, uh, you know, their their followers uh, being able to vote. I, j I just don't. <laughs> so there you go. There's Steve Curtis, former uh, uh, pr chair of the Republican Party of Colorado, Swing State, Colorado, telling you over your public airwaves that you I suspect many people listening to this show, you are stupid. You don't know. He doesn't want you to vote. You don't know anything about politics, about American ideals. You are stupid. Well, if his name, Steve Curtis, uh, if that rings a, a, a bell or those clips from, from October of 2016 ring a bell, it may be because we talked about him early last year on the broadcast during his trial for, wait for it, voter fraud which he has been found guilty of in the state of Colorado and late last week was finally sentenced for. According to AP, the former chair of the Colorado Republican Party was sentenced to four years of probation and 300 hours of community service for voter fraud. Steve Curtis blamed a, quote, major diabetic episode for causing him this diabetic episode caused him to vote his ex-wife's absentee ballot back in October of 2016. Because he was so confused, he voted for her. He requested a ballot for her. He voted for her. He signed. He put her name on it. He signed her signature. Wow, that was quite a diabetic episode. Curtis, who is 57 years old, told uh, District Judge Julie Hoskins on Friday that it was, quote, a customary thing for him to fill out his wife's ballot. And he didn't know it was illegal. Now, mind you, you're stupid. You don't know about American ideals. But Steve Curtis, the, G the chair of the GOP in the state of Colorado, he didn't know that filling out someone else's ballot, putting their name on it, signing it in their name and mailing it in, he he didn't know that was illegal. Of course, he says he doesn't remember doing it because, you know, he was in that middle of that major diabetic episode. 
He was so confused at the time. He just couldn't recall it. Even now, he says he couldn't recall it. Even though he was well enough to keep up several jobs, including driving back and forth about an hour each day to the radio show, to, to, to the radio station to host his show, so that he could tell people that only Democrats commit voter fraud and that he'd like less of them to vote because they don't understand politics as well as people like him, Steve Curtis. And this goes out to the world. This goes out to the world over our public airwaves just days before the election in Colorado. And people repeat it and they think it's true and they pass it on just like Steve Curtis does. In October of 2016, Kelly Curtis, his then former wife, called into the county clerk in Weld County, Colorado, to obtain a mail-in ballot, but she was told she had already voted. She was stunned to learn. The Weld County District Attorney's Office investigated, and using DNA evidence and handwriting analysis, they were able to discover that Steve Curtis had forged his wife's name on her ballot and mailed it in to the clerk. The deputy district attorney, Tate Costin, uh, said during the trial's closing argument that uh, Curtis knew exactly what he was doing. He received it in the mail. He opened it. He voted it. He signed it. He sealed it back up and he sent it in. If he were going to sign a name during this confused diabetic state, wouldn't he sign his own name? Why her name? The prosecutor asked. She hadn't even lived in the house for 11 months. She had left. She had left him 11 months ago. So they charged Curtis with and now have convicted him of both forgery and voter fraud. Uh, during the sentencing hearing on Friday morning, Curtis shared his uh, lengthy history of physical and mental ailments, continued to claim he just does not remember signing his ex-wife's ballot, saying it was custom and normal around the house prior to my wife leaving me to, you know, fill out her ballot. I did not know that this was illegal, he said. The prosecutor asked the judge for a sentence including jail time with probation, but the judge instead decided on a penalty of four years probation and 300 hours of community service. Lucky him. Even though he uh, served as the chair of the Colorado Republican Party from 1997 to 1999, and he was working as recently as August 2017 as a talk show host on that station, which no longer reflects uh, his employment, so he must be gone. But lucky him, he gets off without any jail time. Despite telling, going on the air and saying virtually every case of voter fraud I can remember in my lifetime was committed by Democrats, I guess because he couldn't remember the voter fraud that he himself had committed just days before saying that, apparently. But he got off with just probation and 300 hours of community service. Now, maybe, just maybe, one could argue that's an appropriate penalty for him. Maybe. Even though, as determined in a court of law, he knew exactly what he was doing when he illegally voted for his former wife's, uh, voted his former wife's ballot. But, you know, Steve Curtis, he's white. He's educated. So he gets off the hook without jail time even though he forged his own wife's signature and voted in her name. Now, contrast that to the recent case of 37-year-old Rosa Maria Ortega. Have any idea where this story is going just by the sound of her name? Another story that, yes, we covered last, uh, last year. 
Uh, when we covered it back in February of 2017, we reported that a lawyer for a Mexican national sentenced to eight years in prison for voter fraud in Texas said that President Donald Trump's widely debunked claim of election rigging was the 800-pound gorilla in the jury box. Rosa Maria Ortega, 37 years old, was convicted in Fort Worth on two felony counts of illegal voting over allegations that she improperly cast a ballot five times between 2005 and 2014. Her attorney, Clark Birdsall, said that she was a permanent resident. So she has a green card. She was brought to the U.S. as a baby and mistakenly thought that she was eligible to vote due to her permanent resident status. By the way, uh, her attorney says she voted Republican, including for the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, whose office helped to prosecute her. She, she received a stark sentence, eight years in prison. Voter fraud convictions, which are uh, many times they result in just probation, as they did with that white American guy and the former GOP chair, Steve Curtis. And as a convicted felon, Ortega, who is married and has four children with her American husband, she will now likely be deported after serving her sentence for voter fraud. She'll be separated from her children, from her husband. After eight years in prison, she will then be deported. The uh, prosecutors say that jurors made uh, clear that they value voting rights, but Birdsall, her attorney, said he believes that Ortega would have fared better in a country with fewer pro in a county, I should say, a county in Texas with fewer pro-Trump attitudes. I suspect they listen to a lot of talk radio down there and guys like Steve Curtis. Trump carried North Texas Tarrant County by, with uh, 52 percent of the vote in November of 2016. Birdsall the, pro the attorney said he wanted to steer the jury of 10 women and two men from any lingering thoughts about Trump's unproven claims. And these were happening right at that time. This was February of last year. She wanted to, he, he wanted to steer their thoughts away from Trump's unproven claims that three million people, three to five million people illegally voted in 2016. But the judge would not allow him to do that. He said it was the 800 pound gorilla sitting in the jury box. I would have said, uh, quote, she, he said, I would have said, you cannot hold this woman accountable for Donald Trump's fictitious three million votes. But they did. And she gets eight years. White guy. He gets to walk probation, few hours of community service. Texas, of course, is one of many Republican led states that have pushed for tighter restrictions on voting. Requirements to show identification at the polls, very specific types of identification at the polls, which uh, rules in Texas, apparently, that did not prevent Ortega from, uh, from voting for five years somehow. Even though if Republicans were really concerned about uh, people like Rosa, Rosa Maria Ortega voting, they could have looked up her voter registration and they could have found that she was voting unlawfully and that she was registered unlawfully for for years that that's all public information they could have looked that up had they really wanted to prevent voter fraud instead of uh, simply wanting to prevent certain voters from being able to vote at all 
AP notes that supporters of such laws say uh, such measures are necessary to combat voter fraud and increase public confidence in elections. But research has shown that in-person voter fraud at the polls is extremely rare. Study after study of these restrictions find they hurt mostly poor people, minorities and students, all of whom tend to vote Democratic legally as well as the elderly. But, of course, that's the point of such laws, voter suppression. And that's why Republicans in all states, but especially in swing states like North Carolina, have worked so hard to prevent Democratic-leaning constituents from being able to vote at all. But on that front, we've got a bit of good news for a change today. Let me take a quick break. We'll come back with that good news uh, and much more on the broadcast, including your calls on any of this. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Yep. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here live today, taking your calls at 818 818- Nine eight five five seven three five eight one eight nine eight five KPFK. Desi Doyen, it, it appears that what I prepared to do today, uh, I would need about three shows to fill up and do. So <laughs> well, I'm going to have to put off some of our plans. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. It depends if you want to call 818-985-5735. I've got some more election stories, including that uh, good news story out of North Carolina that I want to get to. Some disturbing and uh, concerning news. Out of our old friends at Diebold. Uh, but first, uh, our, our friend uh, Morris, Mo from Long Beach, uh, he always calls in. Always great to talk to him. I, uh, he's uh, so good and so funny. I usually like to put his put him right at the end of the show. Last week he called, uh, and I was going to put him on the air at the end, but then he hung up. So I don't want that to happen again. Morris in Long Beach, welcome to the broadcast, sir. What is on your mind, my friend? Brad, you're about the only guy in America I could talk to you about this. You know, the democracy is an, aspir- uh, an aspiration, but we're going to make it a manifestation. Now, Brad, we got to come in with a write-in campaign. Now, watch this. Strong Thurman did it. Uh, Donna Faye did it out in San Diego, but they stole it from her. Lisa McCoskey did it in, in uh, Alaska. 
It's the only way out for us. The Democratic Party and the Republican Party are two corporations. We know that. The people have no voice. We got 100,000 people that are homeless, so we ain't got no city officials going to talk to them, no place, because they don't care about them. Now, here's what we're going to do. Whenever we have our protests and whatnot, we get our writing candidates from those protests. Now, the Democratic Party, they're going to have to come to this. They're going to have to come to these candidates and talk to them and sit down with them because they're going to have a whole lot of pull. And, you know, we don't need corporate money anymore. These guys are showing that, hey, if you get a lot of donors together that are small, you can and got a good message. You can compete. All right, more. Well, let me let me ask you a question. Hang on, let me ask you a question. Don't worry, uh, you, you get to hang on. Uh, so, a write-in a candidate, write-in votes for what? For what office? What are you talking about? Everything except the United States presidency. Now, and why? I, now, why? Why do we need a write-in uh, campaign? Why can't Democrats take over the Democratic Party from the uh, the corporatists that you refer to, Morris? Why? Why do we need a write-in campaign? No, 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 Brad. Now, come on, Brad. You're the most intelligent. When it comes to this, you know that corporate Americans uh, got control of the Democratic Party. They're paid to lose. We got to operate outside of that and coerce them to come to our people. All right. Well, let me oh, let God. me challenge you on that, Morris. The, right they, may, they, the corporate par- uh, uh, the money may have control over the Democratic Party, the elite, the people who run the party. They don't have control over the voters. And in a primary, and we're talking about a Democratic primary here, I, I presume for the moment, uh, in a primary. Primary, why not put those uh, Democrats, why not take over the party? Why not push out all of those corporatists, get your people in? What's wrong with that, Mo? We've got to wait for the general election. You're right. I knew you were sharp. It won't work in the primary because you've got, you got to be registered in their party to participate. we got to wait on the general election, and they've got the door shut. You've got holes that have tried to get into the Democratic Party. It's just not going to happen. As a matter of fact, when people think about health care not happening, they think of Republicans, right? No, no, you better think of a Democrat right here, the Democratic Party, right here in California, that's got his foot on that program because corporate America, this is a demo, has given us $700,000 from the from Big Pharma. Uh, Brad, we got to come outside of the two parties. Otherwise, it's going to lead to the demise of humanity as, as we understand it. Now, as you know, as you know, Mo, I, I support your advocacy. I support everyone's advocacy for uh, democracy, however they wish to exercise it. That said, this is not uh, by way of supporting the Democratic Party. This is by way of supporting progressive candidates who I think need to take over the corporatist Democratic Party. And uh, you mentioned uh, th- that you'd have to uh, register as a Democrat. Well, out here in California, you're out here in California, Mo. Mo. Uh, yeah. No, actually, uh, we have open primaries out here for Democrats. Uh, they can vote whether you're uh, uh, registered as a Democrat or not. You can vote in uh, in the primary elections. And because the way that we have our elections now, it's the top two. So whoever are the top two vote getters in for federal offices uh, go on to run in the general election. So you could have potentially two Democrats going after each other, a corporatist Democrat and a progressive Democrat going at each other. And I'm so my point is, I'm worried you may undermine your own advocacy, at least at this time, at least for this moment, unless there's a specific race you want to talk about when it comes to write ins. I think you might undermine your own advocacy because getting a a write in candidate to succeed is incredibly difficult. I'm not against the idea, but it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly rare that anybody wins for write-in. I would think if you want to throw out the uh, the corporatist Democrats, there's a way to do it. And, it. and it starts really here in California where you've got a lot of progressive voters. And you can get, you can get rid of all of those uh, elitist corporatists uh, in the Democratic Party if uh, folks get behind a progressive candidate. No? 
yes and no, Brad, but we're in the real world. We're living in an era right now where if you've got a T-shirt and it says Democrats or Republicans, you don't have too many friends. We have to come in with a new language. We cannot trust the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or DeBold or Sequoia or ES&S. You know who they are. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've got to make these people sit down and read a ballot and count it. The objective? Sure, we're going to make the Democratic Party come to the left. They're going to have to because the right-hand campaign is going to hurt them far more than it's going to hurt the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. We're at a point now, Brad, where we just... Um, you just can't say Democrat or Republican no more. We need a platform. We need people standing on their own two feet. And if they're right-in candidates, you know, hey, man, they're, they're poor like us, and we can trust them. Uh, yeah, well, to me, it's not a question of uh, whether we trust them or not. It's a matter of whether they win or not, and and you end up uh, giving up a perfectly winnable seat to a terrible candidate. But, Mo, I hear you, and I want you to, you know, feel free to keep calling me, call it in, and keep calling me on it, and talk me into it, and uh, maybe you'll talk our listeners into it. Maybe I will talk you into doing uh, something else. Uh, we'll see what happens. This is what democracy is about, is working this out. Thank you, brother. Always great talking to you, my friend. Uh, all right, Desi, uh, you point out, uh, you, you wanted to say on, on this uh, point. Yeah, well, yeah. It's something that um, I think is not necessarily realized among a lot of people is that your local Democratic groups are the ones that eventually put delegates toward the state convention mm -hmm. and the national convention. Yeah. So if you get you and your friends together to take over your local Democratic group with your numbers, you get to select which candidates get put up for different uh, different. Uh, get to run for different things. You get to put your support behind them, and then you have a say in what happens. Yeah, at take the state over the party. National. That's what the Republicans did. The crazy Republican Tea Partiers took over the Republican Party, and now look what has happened to that party. It is off the rails. But the point is, uh, not that I'd like to see the Democratic Party go off the rails, but I would. I would like to see them uh, take a turn for the better. And it can be done by we the people. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. I'll get to uh, some more callers in a moment. But I want to hit this because on Friday, the North Carolina Supreme Court struck down this is really good news for swing state North Carolina, uh, specifically for voters in swing state North Carolina. The North Carolina Supreme Court on Friday struck down a Republican-sponsored measure stripping Democratic Governor Roy Cooper of his ability to regulate the state's elections. This was a four to three decision by the state, uh, state Supreme Court, and it allows the governor, Cooper, Governor Roy Cooper here, uh, who just won in 2016 uh, in a very close election, it preserves his control of the state board of elections, ensuring that he will be able to restore voting rights throughout North Carolina in time for the 2018 election. At least so says Mark Joseph Stern over at Slate, our good friend who's on uh, a guest on this show quite frequently. He writes that following Cooper's election in November 2016, the GOP-dominated General Assembly passed a series of bills weakening the governorship and concentrating power in the legislature. The centerpiece of that effort was a radical overhaul of the State Board of Elections. Previously, the board, the state board had five members. Three were chosen from the governor's party, so whoever that happened to be. And in the previous eight years, they had a Republican governor that controlled those state election boards uh, and under that governor, the state election board uh, dramatically rolled back 
all sorts of uh, voting rights, early voting. Uh, there was a reduction in polling place, particularly in minority heavy communities. So Cooper came into office. The Democrat came into office in 2016 with a plan to reverse those policies. But before he could do that, the Republican state legislature, they restructured the way the state board of elections is supposed to work. They created, instead of a five-person board uh, where the governor chooses three of the five members, they created a new group with eight appointees, four Democrats and four Republicans, even Stephen. Which, of course, would mean uh, near-constant gridlock on that panel and the inability to roll back all of those voting restrictions that the Republicans put in place when they had a governor uh, in office in North Carolina. So Cooper sued against that. The state court uh, blocked it originally, but then the GOP legislature did it again. They tweaked it a little bit and they passed it again. And uh, Cooper filed suit again. And now a majority of the state Supreme Court, all four of its Democratic justices, agreed with Cooper. It should be noted here, by the way, that in North Carolina, voters vote on the state Supreme Court justices, and they voted in 2016 to give the majority of the state Supreme Court to Democrats. So, yeah, voting makes a difference. Voting makes a difference. And yes, in this case, voting for Democrats makes a difference because now it will help to restore the right to vote for untold thousands of voters in North Carolina. Frankly, untold voters of any party in North Carolina, but voters who can vote for Republicans, Democrats or anybody else, independent write-ins, as Morris was talking about. But first, you have to have the right to vote. And that's what we're still fighting for. So this was a big victory on Friday. It was not an absolute victory uh, because the state legislature also did uh, something similar with county election boards. Now, the court has declined to strike down the measures on those county boards uh, yet. Yet they said they're going to take a wait and see approach. Um, but so they may uh, rule on those later. Cooper is likely to challenge those rules as well. But for now, says uh, Mark Joseph Stern, the state Supreme Court's ruling is a qualified success for the governor and uh, much more importantly, a victory for voters of North Carolina. Once Democrats take control of the new state elections board, they can then repeal the previous governor, Governor uh, Pat McCrory. They can repeal all of his disenfranchisement policies. They can protect access to the ballot for all North Carolinians. But of course, the state won't have truly fair elections until the legislature is forced to withdraw its politically and racially gerrymandered districts, which Republicans were able to do. They've been ordered to rewrite the entire U.S. House map in North Carolina in time for this year's 2018 election, but the Supreme Court, the stolen Republican majority on the Supreme Court, has put that uh, that ruling by the federal court uh, panel, on, uh, has, has stayed that ruling concerning the uh, uh, U.S. House districts in North Carolina. Once again, another penalty uh, faced by uh, Democrats, thanks to Republican control. Nonetheless, uh, Friday's ruling is a big step forward in the state's fight for the franchise. 
says Stern, and I agree with him. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let me go to John in Santa Monica. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Yes, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. You know, I tuned in kind of halfway, so bear with me if I kind of heard something wrong, but you were mentioning something about voter ID, and um, I understand some people actually don't think that's a good idea. Is that is that your um, opinion? Well, those people who think that we should not keep 20 to 30 million legal American voters from being able to cast their vote, uh, those people who believe that is not a good idea, yeah, I'm one of those people. Okay, because I don't understand. What, what I hear when, when I hear that, and I think it's a, it's a good idea, is the poor, ignorant Negroes and Hispanics, they're not smart enough to have IDs. And I got a lot of friends um, that are Hispanic and black, and they all have IDs. So yeah, I well, I, I think you hear it. Well, because I think you hear it wrong, John. Now, if voting was based on who John's friends are and if they have IDs, that would be one thing. But no, we're not talking about the poor Negroes and Hispanics who don't have IDs. We're talking about 20 to 30 million Americans who don't have the type of IDs that are required to vote under these laws. And yes, a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of them tend to be uh, black and Hispanic, also elderly, also students. uh, Also, what is that that secret special ID that you required to vote? I don't understand. What it's not a secret special ID. It's one of very few. For example, down in Texas, there are about six different types of IDs under their previous voter ID law that had been in place for years. There's about six different types of IDs that you could use, including a, a, a bank statement, including a paycheck stub showing you are who you say you are, et cetera, et cetera. And yet they want to limit that now so that it is down to driver's license, passport, uh, gun registry uh, certificate, gun license, um, and I think uh, I think a veteran's uh, ID or something like that. Now, they also want to, even if you have a driver's license in your name, if you let it expire, let's say you're older and you're not driving anymore because you're 80 or 90 years old, that is also no longer good enough to vote under much of, uh, under many of these laws. Do you understand that, John? Well, that's something new. I didn't know about that, but you know, it at sounds 80 or like 90 years old. Yeah, this sounds know. like there's a lot so, that you don't know about this. So I'm glad that I could uh, help to educate you on this. Here's the deal: twenty to thirty million Americans who are already registered to vote, who are legally registered to vote, and by federal law, by the way, you already have to show ID in order to register to vote. So twenty to thirty million Americans who are already legally registered to vote, would not be able to vote under those laws. Are you one of those people who have a problem with that, John? Because I sure hope you I, are. I, I don't believe that. And okay. if somebody if somebody can't uh, muster up the proper ID to vote, do you, do you really want their uh, opinion in, in the mix? I mean, <laughs> well, hey, John, I know that you already have one of these uh, driver's licenses, so it's easy for you. But for some people in Texas who have to drive three hours both ways to get a, 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 a driver's license that they then have to pay for with a birth certificate that they have to buy. And remember, they don't have a driver's license. So good luck getting them back and forth three hours to the DMV and they have to do it on a work day when they have to quit work to do it. I'm happy that you don't have that concern, John. I'm sorry for you that you don't. I'm sorry for you that you don't give a damn about your fellow citizens, your fellow Americans participating in their own goddamn democracy. 
I think you're overcomplicating the things. In, I bet you on do. On the, on the hey, John, do you believe in climate? Same, do, is there climate change? On the same thing. Is there climate change, about, John? No. John, do you believe in global did you warming? Know, did you know that when you I gotta get to a, uh, apply yeah. for Obamacare okay. now, that they register you to vote? Did you know that? I hope they do. Yes, I do. And, John, by the way, do you believe in climate change? Just curious. If you're a cli- do you accept climate science? Wait, how do we get on that? We're talking about the... the uh, yes or no the, answer, John. Course, Just curious. The climate, the climate's been changing for the last 6,000 years. Okay, Am so I you're also that? a climate science denier. Well done, John. Jesus Christ. It, it, these people, that's who I'm talking about. They are just brain-addled. They can't... I, you know, you can look at study after study that we've reported on for decades showing that, uh, you know, millions of Americans will lose their right to vote. And you have people like John who don't give a damn about it. And then they call themselves American, patriotic, Tea Party. And oh, the climate always changes. So what the hell do we care if, you know, thousands of millions of people have their lives threatened? Unnecessarily, because people like John are so wildly disinformed. Unbelievable. I got to take a quick break. I'm running really late. I'm sorry. Hang on. If you're online, I'm going to try to get to everyone if I can. Uh, 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad. This is the Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. <sighs> yep. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, let's just go back to some of your calls. I have a, this great story about Diebold, um, but I'm going to have to hold that for tomorrow's Bradcast or later in the week. Uh, hey, Kenny, welcome to the Bradcast, sir. Uh, um, the call of John is missing the point, and it's on two stages. One is, it's really about intimidation. And number two, I don't know if he's aware that as of 2020, in order to catch a flight or enter a federal building, you will have to have a federally recognized identification. Well, I'll, federal. Uh, well, not, I know. Not just state driver's license. Well, we will see but if that we'll see if that's the case because there's a lot of misinformation out there, Kenny. And one, you know, by way of one point, a lot of people who defend these uh, disenfranchising photo ID restrictions, they say, well, you need a pl- uh, photo to 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 get a job, to get on a plane. The fact of the matter is, you do not need a photo ID to get on a plane. It makes your life easier if you have one. But no, the uh, the airline companies, the commercial companies are not going to turn away 20 to 30 million Americans uh, who don't have a photo ID. So they have ways to, you know, to identify you and and get you on. Well, from what I understand, I'm glad to hear that. But from what I was told at the Department of Motor Vehicles last week was you could get on a plane with either a passport or your driver's license Mm -hmm. or identification card will have to have this stamp on it, well, and it will be a federally recognized 
form of identification, which just brings me to the point that if that is implemented, as I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear you say that you have doubt about it, but yeah. if that does come into effect, it really plays into your point of making, having people to have, forcing people to have identification, especially minorities, yep. to vote is a source of intimidation. And I believe what that's what the caller was missing. Yeah, well, I don't think he was missing. I think he was uh, supporting the idea of voter intimidation. He doesn't give a damn. Hey, Kenny, I appreciate that call. I want to try to hit a few more here in the last minute or two that I have. So uh, thank you for calling in. Um, let me, uh, let's see, uh, very quickly, Martin in Forest Hills. Hey, Martin, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, how's it going? It's going okay, very quickly, because I'm short on time. Go. Okay, um, California or any state ID should be good enough to vote with, period. You shouldn't have a special ID to vote with. And there's nothing wrong with voter ID, like Mexico has voter ID, India has voter ID. Well, no, 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 there is something wrong with voter ID, because in Mexico and in India, they give a national voter ID card to every single citizen. Now, if you'd like to do that here in the U.S., let's do that, and then we can talk about requiring it to vote. But right now, we don't do that, and Republicans have stopped that from happening for years. They have stopped a national ID system uh, for years, and then they want to make sure everyone uh, has one. One more uh, before I go here. Steve in Venice Beach. Hey, Steve, welcome. Steven, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hi, Brad. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I just wanted to point out something rather amusing. The climate denier said the weather has been changing for 6,000 years. Oh, you're right. That caller, John. Yeah, I have to echo that. <laughs> and I think we should have mandatory <laughs> voting, a national holiday where people vote. It should be part of our lives. It should be mandatory, and it should be for everyone. Everyone should be able to vote. What is a democracy, for God's sake? Everyone should be able to vote. I'm not against mandatory voting as long as we have an option for none of the above. And if none of the above wins, we have to hold another election. Other than that, I respect people's right to choose not to vote. Steve, I appreciate that call and that thought. I'm sorry I couldn't get to everyone else. Uh, Bill in Lake Elsinore, please call in next week. Uh, And everyone else, please call in next week. Uh, i got to get out. As usual, bit off more than I can chew. That's what we do here on the broadcast. We will do it again tomorrow. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Toyin, to my board op, D'Angelo Jones, and to all of you for uh, calling in and listening in today. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can always download it for free at bradblog.com. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. Whew, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.